Oh, dear mode, day eight. Gosh, we've uh, done a, a week already. Into the second week. I'm happy to say I've got um, permission from my university to go back next week and start using my office on, I think, about three or four days a week, which I'll certainly probably start doing. And in preparation for that, I was tidying around the home office, just what, work out what bits I want to take back in. And I found a, a photo, a black and white photo, that, um, because we're also clearing my mum's house, um, now she's in a home and we're having to sort of sell it. Um, so we're collecting a lot of family photographs and this was part of the, um, a recent batch I'd, I'd brought home. Um, it's in a sort of a, a family history file. Um, it's quite a stark photograph. I think it is of my grandmother, my mum's mother, arriving uh, by ship into England, having um, fled Germany as a refugee in 1938. Uh, I think it was 38 or 37. Um, and she was uh, meeting, uh, hoping to meet up with my grandfather, who had got out ahead of her and was working in London as a doctor. Um, she is the third woman on the Right, so I'll, I'll post the photograph with the um, with this. I know it's supposed to be audio, but I'll add a little bit of visual because um, both her face and the the two people around her, there is a look of fear and uncertainty and anxiety. Um, and when you realise what was about to happen, you can sort of understand why. Um, um, my grandparents subsequently they weren't able to stay in the UK, but they were able to move to Australia, where my mum was born, and they they settled there. Um, but my unlike my father's family history, which we can sort of delve into great detail, there's very little history on my um, my mother's side. Um, quite a few went to um, Sobibor and Dachau and didn't come back. Um, when I worked in France in Strasbourg, um, my great aunts uh, were still alive in Hamburg, and I catch the train, and I used to spend uh, an interesting uh, weekend or two with my um, grandma's older sister, who survived the war and stayed in Hamburg. And she described, even then, this is um, late nineties, she described watching the Hamburg firestorm. Um, caused by the RAF bombing um, from her window because she was up on high ground. Um, but she said of it and of all the bombing, she appreciated it because for her it meant the possibility of the of the, the, the regime and the fear that they were living under was going to go. And it's quite quite interesting reflecting back on this photo. It's made me think back a little about this how someone who's on the receiving end of that kind of level of, of bombing and assault is still looking beyond that to the hope of a um, of, of, of better things to come. So I, I'm glad I got to see my great aunt before she, she died um, um, a few years after I left Strasbourg. Um, and photos like this, they, they, they sort of, they do trigger interesting reflections about the um, I suppose the risks that we can run if we, we make poor choices and support certain things. I'm a great believer in free speech and, and that sort of thing, but sometimes we do need to push back a little. Um, and I was um, you know, interested in um, the audio mo, if you haven't heard it, talking about the toxicity of Twitter. And I think it's very true. It becomes a platform too often for people to espouse hateful views, but... I think it's important that we realise it's just a tool. It, it shouldn't cause the hate. It allows people to spread the hate. 
but in some ways we've got to make the, the media social and, and keep occupying that space, otherwise it becomes um, a little more than a, a, a weapon for the kind of bigotry that has caused my um, grandparents to have to leave their um, native country.